morning and welcome to another episode on all things health and wellness from yours truly, Deborah Spears. And today I have a very special guest for us. Um, her name is Rolanda Perkins and she is going to share a story that I think is extremely powerful about her experience with um, a heart attack. So Rolanda, would you just say hello and, and, and share your story? You're a survivor of a heart attack. Um, in 2005, uh, after experiencing a headache for an entire week, uh, I was later told that I was having a heart attack. So the events that led up to that heart attack, um, at the time, had a lot going on. Uh, I was planning a party for my sister's 40th birthday, and I was working third shift. I was not sleeping well, just due to my work schedule. I remember stressing a lot both in my personal life and um, at work, especially. <laughs> and I was experiencing a really bad headache at the time. And I never went to the doctor about that headache to get it checked out. Instead, I was like self-medicating. I would use Excedrin for migraine. Um, and I was just pretty much self-diagnosing. And I passed it off as being a, a migraine, which I had actually never experienced a migraine headache before. But the headache was so bad, that's what I figured it was. So again, self-diagnosing instead of going to the doctor. So like that entire week as I was planning the party for my sister's 40th, um, that Wednesday is when the headache got really bad. And it kind of knocked me off my feet and I had to lay down and I really couldn't do much on that Wednesday. Every other day that week, I was just going and going and going and I wouldn't stop because I felt like I had so much to do. But what I wasn't doing was, you know, delegating some of that work off to other people. I was just doing it all myself. So it was a, that headache just kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. So that was on that Wednesday. That Saturday we had the party. Everything went fine. Um, that Sunday, which was September the 11th, and that was 2005, I had a cookout because I still had people in from out of town from that surprise party that I was having for my sister and um, and I uh, had friends and family over. But I remember that night as I was mopping my floor after everyone left, I was in the kitchen. I remember feeling a really sharp pain in my chest and it stopped me in my tracks and I, I, I held on to my chest because I never felt that before and it hurt. But... I just kind of brushed that off as being indigestion um, because, again, I never felt it before, and so I didn't really know what to say that it could be, and that's what I said that it was. I didn't go to the doctor, but I said, you know, if this pain persists in the morning, then I'll go to the doctor. Now, what was happening all week long was that my body had been talking to me, and I chose not to listen to my body. I chose not to go to the doctor. But that pain is what made me think, mm, maybe something's wrong. So if the pain persists, then I'll go to the doctor in the morning. So I went to bed that night. And it was about 3.30, 4 o'clock um, the next morning. That pain woke me up out of my sleep. And so at that time, that's when I went to the emergency room. I knew I had to go because that was the second time that I felt that pain that was unexplainable. And I didn't really know what it was. So 
I went to the emergency room. I had somebody drive me. I know that's not the best thing to do, but I had somebody drive me to the emergency room because in my mind it wasn't, you know, that serious. Um, it was serious enough to go to the to the uh, hospital, but I don't know why I didn't think it was more serious than that. But had somebody drive me to the emergency room. I can remember the emergency room was really busy, um, and they, after hearing what my symptoms were and they were triaging me, they actually took me right back and they started doing tests on me and someone walked up to me, I can remember, and they said, uh, Ms. Perkins, our tests are showing us that you're having a heart attack. So that's when I found out that I was having a heart attack. Um, and they said that they would have to get a cardiologist in and they would have to look at my heart to see if I had any blocked arteries. And I did not have any uh, blocked arteries or anything like that after they did do those tests. And um, I remember, you know, waking up on that table and they said, you know, we couldn't find anything, you know. And the first thought that went through my mind, actually, I said, thank you, Jesus. That's what I said, lying on the table after they told me that. And, and I was like, you know, I'm here for a reason. I don't know what reason I'm here for, but, you know, my life was spared for a reason. So after that time, um, I think I recovered for like an entire month because I had, had uh, time off from work. And so I just took off an entire month. They would have released me earlier, but, you know, I wanted that time. Mm. So I had a lot of time to think about it. Um, and what I was doing before that heart attack, I was I was walking a lot and so for that month, you know, I was kind of afraid to do anything. I did check with my cardiologist to see if it was okay for me to go back out and walk. And, um, you know, she said that it was okay. You know, eventually she gave me the, the okay and I did go out and walk. And there's a trail up from my house that I would walk all the time. And any other time, it would take me probably about maybe uh, 45 minutes to an hour to walk it. And the distance that I would usually go, this time it took about two hours, a little bit longer. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that was okay because I was able to get out again and walk. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, after that time, uh, I remember a lady at my church, um, we were talking outside and uh, she said that, that there was a group at the church that, you know, it was a running group. Um, and she said, you don't have to come out and, and you know, run with us, us sometimes. And I told her, I was like, I'm not a runner. And she said, we don't just run, we walk too. So come on out. So I actually joined that group. And um, through that group, I've done several half marathons. I've not run them, but mm -hmm. I have walked them and I have completed them. That's awesome. That's amazing. That, that story, mm -hmm. that's um, be, uh, coming from my perspective as a um, of retired um, registered nurse and caring for people for so many years. My mind always goes back to um, warning signs and symptoms because all of my teaching is about prevention for those mm -hmm. things that are preventable and reversing mm -hmm. those things that we can reverse. And then we have more time to deal with all those other the small section of the group of, of things that are we had no choice with. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, did you, um, did you know, uh, did you have any warning signs? Did you know warning signs or how, what, tell me, tell us a little bit about that. So my warning signs, at first off, I did not know 
Um, I didn't know anything about heart disease in women. I did not know that there were warning signs to look out for um, Mm -hmm. because this did not run in my family. No one has ever had a heart attack um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we knew of. So it didn't run in my family. I didn't know. I never educated myself about it. So, no, I didn't know anything. But the only things that I can remember is that really bad headache that I passed off as being a migraine. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the pain in my chest. Those were the only two things that... I remember happening to me Um, other than when I did go get ready to go to the hospital and that pain that I had in my chest I actually had a shortness of breath at that time Mm. but other than that it was just that headache for an entire week so I asked my doctor um, when I was in the hospital and this was my primary care physician because he came in every day that I was in the hospital I spent a week in the hospital And I asked him, you know, what were the headaches that I was having? And Mm -hmm. he told me that I was experiencing miniature strokes is what he said. Mm -hmm. Um, So so those were the only symptoms that I can remember. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sorry, did you tell us your age, that that the age you were when you had the heart attack? At the time I was 39 years old. So you were very, very young. So, and I had just turned 39. And you had just turned 39. Wow. So I want to talk to people that so we can help other people. The goal is to help other people right. about, through your story. So so tell us a little bit about prior to your heart attack, your lifestyle, the, the busyness of the schedule or any stress or your diet or your activity, some of those kind of things. Share what you can. Um. So the things that I was doing prior to my heart attack, uh, I can remember I was working the third shift Mm -hmm. and uh, I was stressing a lot Mm -hmm. and the stress was not just, you know, in my personal life. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere, but I I don't want to interrupt your story, but I want to make sure that the audience is capturing everything because this is so important. Just okay. for those who don't know, when you say your third shift, you mean the night shift, correct? I'm sorry, yeah. No, that's okay. I just want people to know because that's so important because your whole body, because I've worked many, many years of the night shift and then mm-hmm. trying to make yourself sleep during the day, that in itself is stressful because if the rest of the world is busy around you and mm-hmm. one doorbell ring can just throw you off track when you're trying to sleep. So I just want to stay, that's all, just to make sure everybody understood that you were in a stressful environment to have to work mm-hmm. at night and sleep during the day. Right. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest things for me to do. So, you know, I would come in and I would uh, put uh, something dark over my window in order for me to be able to go to sleep. But before mm-hmm. I did that, before I came home, um, after I left work, I would go and get something. To eat. So mm-hmm. I was, I had actually changed my eating habits, but Coming in from work, I knew that, you know, I was hungry, I needed something to eat, so I would stop and get something to eat from a fast food restaurant, and then I would come home and do what I needed to do, and then make myself go to sleep. Okay, so I'm going to stop you again, I'm sorry. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, no, so, so we know that, um, first of all, fast food is our enemy, so that's the first <laughs> thing. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing is, when you're exhausted, and you mm-hmm. feel like you're hungry, you're mm-hmm. not really hungry. You're really exhausted and our body will, are you still hungry when you wake up after sleeping? You eat something, you go to sleep. When you wake up, do you still feel like it's time for your regular food again? 
And you know what? I can't remember at that time. I just remember that, you know, before yeah. I went to sleep, I would get something to eat because I felt like maybe it would make me sleep better. I would feel that void of being hungry or so I thought I was hungry, you know. Yeah, yeah, so I don't remember after I woke up if I ate or not. I'm not really sure. So our bodies are amazing things. So the, the thing that triggers in us that makes us feel hungry and tired is pretty much the same, and we get them confused and, and thirsty. And so if we eat something when we're really tired and then we go to sleep, we didn't actually address the tiredness until after we went to sleep. And then, then you still have to eat the same amount of calories the next day when you finally do, when you do wake up. But so those are so those are other stress um, signals for heart attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so what what else did you um, what else did you experience after as far as um, following, not recognizing the symptoms and living at this um, your daily activity where you work nights and you try to sleep mm -hmm. during the day and you mm -hmm. went to fast food restaurants? What are some of the other things that? Um, I, I remember stressing a lot. Um, most of my stress came from work. Now, mm -hmm. I worked, at the time, I was working at the child abuse hotline. I was a supervisor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we would listen to the stories that came in, but mm -hmm. I was never stressed out about the stories. Mm -hmm. I was stressed out about the people that I worked with because it was seems like it was so much going on at the time. Oh, my God. And at the time, I didn't know really, you know, how to deal with different personalities mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was a big cause of my stress. It wasn't mm -hmm. the work that I did. Yeah. In fact, on the third shift, it was really quiet because you didn't have the other supervisors there. It was only like two or three people at the time because it was, a, it was brand new. And so it was only about two or three people. So it was really quiet. Mm -hmm. So my stress was, you know during the changing of the shifts and when I had to go into meetings and different things like that, you know, and I think that might have been, you know, one of the reasons why I wasn't so eager to switch a shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> understood. And so did you have a, a connection with someone or individuals that were people that you could like talk to about anything? Because a, a, a big stress relief is just being able to openly share whatever the stressors are versus holding them in that's that there's yeah. a huge distinction there can you recall yeah i i, I believe uh, it was my sister and a couple of my cousins you know okay. we would always talk and we you know we would be the sounding board for one another so that at the time was who i could you know vent to yeah okay and you were having regular visits with your doctor at least once mm -hmm. a year mm-hmm mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All of that was normal. Yeah, everything, I, you know, never stopped any of that. All of that was normal. Always had regular visits with my doctor annually. Um, this just kind of snuck up on me okay. because I feel like it was because, you know, I didn't know what the symptoms were. And maybe had I known the symptoms, I would like to think that I would have gone, you know, to the doctor mm. and had them check me out. But I never went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. I just kind of thought that I could, you know, deal with it myself. I thought that I was just stressed and tired and, and you were. all I needed was rest. So this yeah. is good. This is a good point to, for us to make because um, that's why they call this the silent killer. Um, because there, you don't have the kind of symptoms that you could readily see. Um, mm -hmm. But you do have 
the um, lifestyle and activities and the things that contribute to it that you can see. So even though your once a year doctor visits were okay, you did know that you had a stressful job and that you actually weren't eating the best you could. And I don't know if you mentioned physical activity or not, if you had. Yeah, I did. I was physical. That was the one thing that was consistent in my okay. life. Okay. So sharing those things with people to know that you don't, you may not necessarily have a lot of symptoms leading up to, but you may have some lifestyle things, lifestyle things that you could change to mm -hmm. prevent it or some lifestyle things that could let you know that you're kind of in the high risk category if you mm -hmm. work a lot of stress and, and you pick up a lot of health, unhealthy food on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, so that's great. This is, um, I'm so hopeful that we're helping uh, someone with your story, through your yeah. story. Mm -hmm. So what kind of things did you do after the heart attack to heal? So after the heart attack, um, what I didn't know was that, you know, there are certain things that you might go through. You might experience certain things. Reason that I didn't know that was because when I was discharged from the hospital, I did not get many instructions at all. Um, I had a male doctor at the time, and he, to me, didn't really have a lot of bedside manner. Um, mm -hmm. And he wasn't the nicest person that mm -hmm. I can remember. Mm -hmm. And when I was discharged, I was discharged with, you know, whatever diagnosis I had, medications, mm -hmm. and that was pretty much it. Um, I did not go to cardiac rehab. I guess there was not a reason for me to go because nothing, you know, happened. However, what would have been helpful is to know what I would have gone through. I, I experienced like a lot of fear and I'm, I'm not the type of person that's afraid to speak in front of people, but I remember being at work and I was afraid to facilitate meetings. I was afraid to get anything wrong you know, for mm -hmm. fear of whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember um, leaving work and on my way home crying in my car. As I got home, I'm sitting on my couch and I'm crying and I just started feeling these feelings of depression. And mm -hmm. I knew that it wasn't me, you know, and, and just I just was feeling different. I remember being at work. Um, I remember hearing the word Toastmasters and I heard that word for like, two or three times out of an entire week. I didn't know what it was. And so I looked it up on the computer and I found out what Toastmasters was. And I enrolled in a Toastmasters class and you know, it was to help people um, um, become better speakers, you know, in front of people. Um, what we did, we did these little exercises where you would uh, say a speech, they would give you a pencil and you would tell as much as you could about that pencil just to get you speaking in front of people. Mm -hmm. And there was a time when, you know, we could share any stories that we wanted to share. And I shared my story about my heart attack. And there was a young lady there who asked me after that story was shared. She said, have you ever um, volunteered with like the American Heart Association? And I said, no, I haven't. And she gave me information. And then I started volunteering with the American Heart Association. And from there, I remember um, I used to take, uh, I used to do the health fairs. Mm -hmm. The health fairs helped educate me on, you know, my condition and how to live, you know, after a heart attack, what to eat, you know, the exercise, everything that I needed to know that I didn't get 
when I left the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, anytime they had a speaking speaking opportunities, I asked if I could volunteer for that, and that helped me to get out in front of people and speak more because the one thing that I was comfortable in telling was what happened to me because I wanted other people to know what happened to me and how it snuck up on me and how mm-hmm. it could affect them the same way. So those two things, that's really what helped me out a whole lot. Also had to Google a lot of information online. So a lot of what I learned was from online. It was through the American Heart Association mm-hmm. um, volunteering. Great. So after, during one of my volunteering events, um, they were looking for women across the nation to serve as Go Red for Women spokespersons. And I was volunteering that day, and they said, you know, the volunteers could also um, audition. And so I auditioned, and in 2009, out of thousands of women, I was one of nine that was named as a national spokesperson for the Go Red for Women campaign through the American Heart Association. So that's also helped me to share my story because mm-hmm. that's one of the main focuses that they do is to help women, you know, empower women um, to learn about their heart health, to share their stories. And so I met a lady who was also a national sports person. And she had information on another organization called Women Heart, which is the National Coalition for Women with Heart Disease. And they were having a symposium at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And she said, well, I can't go, but it might be something that you might be interested in doing. And so I looked into it and um, I uh, signed up for it and I was accepted to go. And they educated us on women and heart disease. Mm -hmm. So that's mostly what um, the Women Heart Organization does. It it provides information to women about women and their heart health. And that's where I started obtaining even more information is through the Women Heart Organization. So today, um, myself and another lady, her name is Jaretta Utley, um, we have a support group in the Nashville area, although our support group is not active because we couldn't get women to keep coming. And mm-hmm. so instead of us just not doing anything, what we do is go out to the community and we educate the community. So mm-hmm. I try to create opportunities for myself to do that. Absolutely, because, just, yeah. because they're all busy and, yeah. and stressed and that's the, so they're in that same um, circle. So mm-hmm. what um, uh, for other women like that, other than you're reaching out to them by going out into the community, But um, what would you like to share for those listeners who may have experienced a heart event um, like yours as we close? Um, Just to make sure that they take care of themselves. Um, Follow your doctor's orders. Um, Absolutely. uh, What is it? Exercise. Eating and exercise is really important. But what I've learned over the years is that eating is the most important. Absolutely. That (laughs) is the thing I've been trying to teach to people for decades. Uh And and because the, the, the media and everything markets so much on the exercising and going to the gym and lifting the Mm -hmm. weights and they show everybody flexing their muscles and all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just marketing and advertisement. And if I can't Mm -hmm. get across to any of the people that I've talked to anything else, but apply the 80-20 rule, 
80% is what you do in the kitchen and what you prepared for your meals every day and what you put in your mouth. Then you can take and focus 20% of your energy on getting in that gym every single day because the people that need to be in the gym every single day is because you're eating the wrong things. And if you uh -huh. have a beer or if you're eating steak every night and all that stuff, the, the gym is not gonna help save you from those things uh -huh. if you're doing it alone. So I'm so pleased that you joined us. I'm so excited and I'm, I'm Thank you for great, grateful. Yes, yes, yes. You will have to come back and share some more with some of the experiences you're having with all of the different activities that you're participating in right now. Thank you so much for joining us. And, Thank um, you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Wonderful. That's wonderful. And to all of our listeners, have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you next time. Bye.